All right, let's let's pray. All right, dearly Father, we just uh, thank you for this day. We thank you for your love, mercy, and your grace. We thank you for the Lord's Day. We thank you for a day to celebrate, to remember, to renew our hearts and mind, to draw closer to you, to refocus and recenter. Uh, Lord, we live in a world full of distractions and things that want to pull us away from you. So, Father God, we just ask right now that you give us a renewed uh, sense of your spirit, that we can become more aware of your nearness. Speak through us this day, through your word, that we can grow closer to Jesus. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Alright, so we're almost done with 1 Peter chapter 1. We've got like this Sunday and next Sunday, and then we will be finished, which is really amazing that uh, it's taken us so long uh, to get to this point. Uh, we've gone through quite a bit to get here. Uh, we've experienced a lot of different things and... Uh, you know, we've gone from being in person to being very impersonal, but, you know, all in all, we're, we're together and ultimately in spirit. So let's read First Peter chapter 5, verse 1 through 7, and it reads this way. So I exhort the elders among you as fellow elders and a witness of the suffering of Christ, as well as partaker in the glory that is going to be revealed shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight, uh, not under compulsion, but willingly, as God would have you, not for shameful gain, but eagerly, not domineering over those in your charge, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. Likewise, you who are younger, be subject to the elders. Clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility towards one another. For God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he might exalt you, casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. And this is what we're going to focus on this afternoon. And and there's three main parts here. Uh, the, the first really is an address to the elders of the church, the leaders of the church, the pastors of the church, uh, that they shepherd well, that they care for those in God's flock. The, four, the second part is for the youngers. There's a, a call out to those who are, um, whether young in age or young in spirit, to... Uh, care to to listen and respect those who are above us. And then lastly, there's this great statement that balances our humility with our anxieties. So let's dive in. So ultimately, verse 1, I exhort you elders among you. So, so I, I smile because there's no other way to do this, but, you know, we're, we're, I'm talking to a bunch of elders, uh, people who are older than I am. And and that we, you and I, have a responsibility because of age or spiritual maturity to care for those who are less than. And I think even today that the reason why the Mission Church exists, the reason why I'm on your screen today, is because God has commissioned me to care for you. Right? That many of you have lived... A long life that many of you have run the race that many of you have served and served well 
but now you've reached that point where you need the care and that response back to you. And, and so that's why my ministry, this ministry exists, that, that we want to be the church where there is no church, that for those who want to belong, I, I know talking to many of you over the years that many of you would love to go to church. Many of you grew up in church regularly on Sundays and and you were engaged in the church and you know like Mr. Ted who who would be in the children's ministry and I'm sure many others of you who are either a, a deacon or a, an elder or maybe even a pastor yourself and, and and because of just the the natural wear and tear on the body that you've come to this place for rest and, and so now it's your turn to to return to that 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 place where you are being cared for maybe than more than you would normally expect. Now that doesn't absolve you. That means you're not without that responsibility to care for people. Because I believe that we should we are all all responsible for caring uh, and spreading the good news of Jesus, the gospel, to the people around us. But I, I think in this moment, I think we can rest rest in that knowledge that if we've done well that God is pleased and, and that we can live, continue to live a life, uh, whether it's a weeks, months, or years, that, that continues to honor God. And, and so for Peter specifically here, he, he's speaking to people and, and as an elder himself who witnessed Christ and his suffering. And that, that was a, a thing that made uh, Peter and the other apostles different uh, than a lot of the other church leaders. Uh, they they saw they were firsthand witnesses to the crucifixion of Christ and the resurrection, um, and so that put them in a little different category. And, and so a lot of people listened uh, and 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 followed because they they touched Jesus and they talked with Jesus and they ate with Jesus and they hugged Jesus, uh, and and they had this closeness of a relationship. But there is for all of us that encouragement that we who have not seen and believe are more blessed because there's some richness that comes if we look in the gospels in, in chapter 21 i think it is or 20 where, where uh, thomas comes to jesus and says i only if i see the wounds and touch your hands will i believe and jesus says blessed are you who believe but more blessed are those who believed and have not seen and, and so i think that's what paul peter is trying to convey that even though I've seen Jesus, we are fellow elders, and we we are share partakers. We we are. It, it basically in front of me, I see a big long table, and if 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 there was a way that we could all come together in one big long table and eat the same meal together, we would all be partaking uh, of the same meal. And so in the same way, there is something of Jesus that we share together because we follow Jesus, that we are partakers in his glory, uh, and that is going to be, that is going to come, that is going to be revealed. And so, you know, he starts stepping these things out. He says, shepherd the flock of God. And I think this is a reminder always to me that uh, these things don't belong to me. That, that, that the people in my care are not mine, but God's. That the people who... You good, Miss Lucy? I'm good. Okay. Oh. 
And keep going. All right. And it says, and shepherd the flock, flock among you, exercising oversight. It, here, here the idea of oversight is um, supervision. It, it's, it's like a maybe at some of you were ever uh, a watchman or on on patrol or you were the lookout. Then there was an element of of looking out and, and keeping an eye. And, and Jesus constantly warns us. Of of sheep's or wolves in sheep's clothing, that that the that the under shepherds, those who serve under Christ, have a responsibility to look out for false teachers and false prophets and the antichrist. That that there are going to be people who are going to come uh, in the name of the Lord, come in the name of Jesus, but not in that same heart. They're they're not going to come with the right attitude or the right uh, motives. You know they might uh, speak in a way that sounds like Jesus, but inevitably their their heart is for dishonest gain. They use the name of Jesus to get rich. They they use the name of Jesus to gain power. They use the name of Jesus uh, to get recognition and attention. I just think of what Jesus says in Matthew chapter seven. He says, "Many many will come to me and say, Lord, Lord, did we not cast out demons in your name? Did we not?" Do mighty great works in your name. Did we not do all these miraculous things in your name? And then Jesus is going to end and say, Depart from me, I never knew you, you workers of lawlessness. That there are people who who look like Christians, who look like Christ followers, but aren't. That that, that we have, we can see that Jesus says you will know particularly false teachers, by their fruits. And I think, you know, I've out my window I have uh, some tomato plants. And at first when we all planted them, they, they, we were all told that they were one specific type of tomato plant. I think they were all supposed to be Roma tomatoes. And, um, you know, months went by, two, three, four months before they ever started budding fruit. But once they did, we realized that not all of them were Roma tomatoes. That some of them might have been beefsteak or some kind of different type of tomato. And that's what Jesus says. He says, if you give someone long enough, you will see their real fruit. You, you'll really see what they're all about. And that's, and that's what our warning is. And that's, that's ultimately what we as over-shepherds, as elders in the church, spiritually and physically, that we have a responsibility to keep a lookout and he says not under compulsion. It, it shouldn't be a, 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 a forced way, right? We shouldn't have this attitude. It's like, well, I just, I have to do this. Or it, there's a, a, a different attitude. God, this is what you called me to. You know, it's interesting because Paul uses language that's a little different. It's in Romans. In the, Romans chapter 1, he says, For I am under obligation, right? I have to do this. But, but the, the obligation isn't a compulsion in the negative way by someone forcing me into it. But because of Paul's great love for Christ, he has to respond. There, there is a compulsion, if you will, to serving and preaching and teaching the words of Christ. But, but here I think that this, this exercise of oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly... It is very clear that Paul was willing to serve and Paul was willing to die. 
But some of us do things because, you know, I don't know about you, but my kids, uh, they don't love to clean their rooms. It's probably one of their least favorite activities is to, to get up and clean their rooms or to do the dishes or fold laundry. And to be honest, I, I don't like folding laundry. But but there's a compulsion that I have to fold laundry or I have to clean my room or I have to do the dishes. As opposed to, you know what? I'm going to willingly serve and do X, Y, and Z because it's the right thing to do. Because it's as God would have you. Right? Willingly. As God would have you. And just like I said before, not for shameful gain. There are people as I said before, who will manipulate others that they can be receive prestige and recognition. There, there's a story in Acts of Simeon. He was a diviner. He was something of a, a fortune teller. And he heard the gospel and believed. He responded the right way. And then when the apostles came and laid hands and people began to receive the Holy Spirit, he said, can I buy that gift? Can 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 I can I gain can I can I come and buy this gift of the Holy Spirit from you? And and it was revealed that his intentions were impure. He he saw what for what his past was as a diviner, a divination, or or a, a, a fortune teller. That he said, well, if I can have this extra power like the Holy Spirit, I'll be super rich. And, and Peter rebukes him. Peter says, no. You know, turn, and he says, "Repent from your sins." That, that for that, what you're saying in your heart is wrong. And, and so we get these examples, but eagerly that that there is a greater reward, which he mentions in verse four, this crown of unfading glory that we are actually working towards, that we do things eagerly and earnestly for for the kingdom and for the good. Um, this week for me has had a lot of. A lot of heartache and hurt hardships. Um, I've talked to a lot of people in pain, a lot of people who are suffering, loss and death and disease, and their faith is shaking. They're 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 uncertain about many things, and they are uh, unaware of the grace and the truth of Christ, and, and they find themselves caught up in this cycle of of emptiness and hopelessness. So we need to eagerly, eagerly and earnestly share the gospel with people because Jesus is the only hope. And if you remember all the way back to the beginning of 1 Peter where Peter starts out with these words that Jesus Christ is our living hope, right? That he is that thing that we are holding on to that is imperishable and undefiled and unfading and this this is the reward that we're earnestly and eagerly working towards. So therefore, he goes, not domineering over those in your charge. So domineering is, is like dominion, reign. So it's, it's kind of the opposite of oversight. Oversight is I'm keeping watch. But dominion or domineering is like micromanagement. No one likes a micromanager. No one no one wants someone following everything they do and telling, "Oh, don't do it this way, do it that way" or this that, and the other, but we can it, it was unlike today where where many pastors are are paid a salary from the church or 
Uh, maybe some are bivocational where they, they work a job and they, they're also a minister. But here that there was a, a chance to to take advantage, to to force people into um, work or labors uh, against, maybe against their will, maybe even, or, or using scriptures in a way that twists the truth that pits one person against another. Uh, we see that today. I, I don't want to make this uh, a, a big race conversation or sermon, but many people have taken the good news of Jesus in the, in the scriptures and twisted it in a way that they've been able to force um, others underneath them and, and through the centuries. And, and this is unfortunately part of the, the wickedness of, of man where we form these prejudices and, and racisms and, and we find ourselves in, in supremacy over other. And that's not what the gospel says. It's not what the Bible says, and, and it should never be used in that way. But but see, his turn is, instead of being domineering, that we should be an example. That, that we live our lives in a certain way that if someone were to have us under surveillance, that they would go, that's how I should live my life as a Christian. And, and I think that's, that's something that we have to be very considerate of, is my life is an example it's under examination by others and how I live and how I treat people matters and therefore we we get into what is said here in verse 4 right when the chief priest chief shepherd comes and and we now know that this that man is to be Jesus appears so when he comes in his second in the second coming you will receive so when we when when Christ comes and we're resurrected or raptured if you will and join together with Christ that we will receive a reward. And therefore he turns likewise to you who are younger, subject to the elders, because he knows eventually these younger will grow and become elders. And they, they have to learn and model what it means to be a pastor or an elder in the church at a young age so that they can walk out the right way based on everything that had already been said. And, and, then, and then he says this, clothe yourselves, all of you, so this is older and younger, elder and junior, that all of us clothed with humility towards one another. See, what instantly happens is now the, the, the playing field is evened. You know, in, in, in Jewish culture, um, very often uh, birth order and age had a lot to do with your the honor you received. Um, maybe some, some of your family is like this. Uh, I didn't experience this too much in my personal family, but, you know, where you have someone who was, you know, my mom was one of five. So my uncle, uh, Rick, who's the oldest of five, his oldest son would be the senior of my generation, right? He'd be the elder of my my generation. He would He was the firstborn of my grandfather. He was the firstborn of his siblings, and his firstborn would the, then be the elder of uh, my grandparents 22 grandkids now i i happen to fall somewhat in the middle uh i am i'm in the top six or seven i think but it still means i would have to submit to my elders and those below me would submit to me um and, and so this is very often the case here in, in judaism where you would have the firstborn so of Abraham was Isaac, and then Isaac had Jacob, and Jacob had 12 sons. The oldest of Jacob was Judah, 
And so Judah was the eldest of his brothers. And then you had Judah's firstborn, and that would then be the elder of that generation. And so forth, when you look hundreds of years later, you have Jerusalem and how it's established, and people would be in elders and places and whatnot. But then there was a special class of people, and they were the Levites, and a lot of them became rabbis, and the rabbis were part of the Pharisees and uh, Sadducees who were part of the Sanhedrin, which was like a governing body over Israel of elders, right? So, so you can see how this hierarchy is created. And it was very natural that someone who was not only older, but of the oldest in, in, in birth order uh, would get the most honor. And it was very custom that the older would, in, a, in, in backing up as we went through this, he didn't always practice oversight. Sometimes he did things out of compulsion. He didn't do it eagerly. He didn't, and he did it out of domineering, and he definitely did it for shameful gain. And yet, Peter's saying, no, 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 because Christ is the shepherd, we are all sheep. And because we're all sheep, that puts us all on the same playing field, whether we are 99 or 1, or whether we've been a Christian for our whole life, or we're just new believers, that regardless of our status, or position even that we are all to humble ourselves to one another and that's the playing field so male to female old to young black to white Asian Hispanic so on and so forth we are all on the same plane in the eyes of Christ right for we are all his sheep and and that is truly how we work because of the statement God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Pride is a terrible thing. We, we often boast in our own works. We boast in our, our, our individuality. We boast in our, our circumstance. We boast in our, our achievements. We put ourselves before others because we have this mentality, it matters most what happens to me. What I did or what I'm doing is most important. And, and if we have that attitude of me first or I, 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 then we are not operating in humility. And God will push back towards those who are proud. It, the other way of looking at it is this, and I had a conversation with someone yesterday. It says, God, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God. And you can just imagine... Um, that if it's raining and, and, and let's say you're, you could be tall, you could be five foot 10, five foot, you know, six foot tall, six foot two, but just imagine someone bigger is over you and over you, they're holding an umbrella and this umbrella is more than big enough to shield you from all the rain. And if you humble yourself means you, you even have to maybe even duck to be underneath this umbrella. You're protected. There's grace there. But then the opposite is also then true. If we act proudly going, I can be by myself, and you stand up, you might poke your head, or it means that you've gotten from underneath that covering, and now you're getting rained on. We can act in such a way that God might pull back his hand so that you get wet. That's not what God wants to do, but, but if, 
if you're not going to humble yourself under the hand of God, God is going to do something to allow you to feel the effects of your pride. And pride is one of those things that affects many, many people in different ways. But if we go, God, I'm sorry, I was wrong, I I was trying to do it my own way, God will extend his hand back over us like a big umbrella and protect us. And then it says, at the right time, at the proper time, meaning at the right time, exactly when we need it, God will exalt you. That means something extra will happen. Not only will you are you protected, but something of that where maybe even it's the exaltation over the rain. I, I don't I don't know what how to how to explain that, but there's a uplifting moment. That's what the word exalt means. Therefore, that the, that word isn't there, but we can we can we can take the step out of what God does to those who are humble underneath Him and go. I can cast my cares on Him. I can I can throw my stuff at Jesus and at His feet because He cares for you, just like that umbrella. That 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 umbrella that hold you hold that's held over you that keeps you from the rain. That's that's God's care and His grace are are connected. That that loving kindness that shelters over us, and we can trust that we can duck and cover underneath that umbrella, for because of what God is doing for us. And I, I just think I and I and if you see could see my Bible, I have this passage highlighted and underlined and circled and marked because there's. There's something about this that we need to get. And and this is what I, I, I leave us all with is that humility that we surrender underneath the hand of God. And there, that through him, we can relieve all of our stresses and all of our fears and all of our worries and all of our guilt and all of our shame. And trust Jesus that he will heal us, that he will restore us, that he will renew us. That he will give us newness of life, and that he's not out there like a stick. He's not. He's not. He's not. Uh, you know, we probably all remember the movie uh, The Blues Brothers, where they go visit the sister, and every time they cuss, she just smacks the, them on the wrist. I think sometimes we have that mentality of God that God is just there waiting to smite us with his uh, holy ruler. But the reality is, is Jesus took the penalty on his body. So that instead of a hand of, of punishment, there's a arms of love open wide like a hug. And, and so I just want us to remember that as we go forward today and then through the week. So let's pray. Dearly Father, we just thank you for this day. We thank you for your love, mercy, and your grace. We thank you for what you're doing and what you've done. We pray that you lead and guide our steps. Fill us with your spirit. Clothe us in your armor. Help us walk in paths of righteousness. Thank you for your word and what it means and how we can grow closer to Jesus through it. Thank you for paying for our sins and giving us newness of life. Help us all practice this shadow or or help us practice this humility as we can sit in the shadow of your wings underneath your hand of grace. Bless my brothers and sisters at Baldomero. Bless the facility, the staff, the administration. Continue to keep them healthy and well. Be with them mentally, physically, and emotionally and spiritually. Let them be strong and of good cheer through your Holy Spirit, by the blood of Christ. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.